ointment. The very word ointment causes me to think back to metal tins about five and a half inches in diameter. My father would rub the petrocarbo salve into his hands, the black and red tin. You know what I'm talking about. If we got a cough, mom would grab that green and white tin and start at our neck and cover our entire chest with a menthol camphor rub until we smelled something like a candy cane. She'd give us a good coating and she'd pull a tight t-shirt over our head and send us to bed. And somewhere between 10 p.m. and 10 a.m., something would happen. Whatever was tight, loosened up, whatever was problematic became problem-free. And we touted the praises of J.R. Watkins products because it just seemed to work. For over 100 years, they've produced the same products in the same factory. A commitment to the natural liniments and extracts, oils and ointments have kept the company continuing despite shifts in economics or social preferences. They have continued. But the timeless tradition of an ointment for our ailment preceded J.R. Watkins and his company by thousands of years. We could walk back through scripture to when it wasn't a business bottle, but rather a divine idea. It was a physical symbol of a spiritual power. God gave Moses the list of ingredients, the instructions. He said, take principal spices of pure myrrh, sweet cinnamon, and of sweet calamus, and of cassia, and of olive oil. And he gave them the amounts. And he said, thou shalt make an oil of holy ointment. An ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. It shall be a holy anointing oil. They had done the work in their midst to accomplish those apothecary ointments. But now God was saying, in that order, I want you to create an ointment to bless my sanctuary and my people. When it came to the tabernacle, both the place and the people were anointed. Without a doubt, the furniture of the tabernacle was a picture of promise to come. But though it was gifted, uh, gilded by the gifted and crafted by the creative, it still wasn't perfect. They took the utmost care, but I've been around long enough to know that the primitive tools and trades that they had had left marks and imperfections on the creations they had created. The knots still showed through the acacia wood. The gold, though refined, contained imperfections. The silver was precious, but in its sockets, it was still tarnished in the elements that the world of the world that it was in. The brass may not corrode visibly, but it still contained particles of problem. It was human engineering at its finest in its day. It was crafted and created with the utmost care, but it was still had a level of imperfection. For that, God had a plan. You see, aren't you glad that when God sees our imperfections, he's not finished with us? When God sees the part of us that we've worked our best and we've done our utmost, but God knows the inside of our hearts and the heart is deceitful above all things. And somewhere, sometime, you're going to fail the grade. You're not going to pass the test. You're, you're, you're going you're to lack luster in the, in the wrong moment. And, and in that moment, there was an answer and an opportunity that God still created. 
You see, God knew the imperfections. He knew the times that the saw slipped and there was a little mark on the wood that shouldn't have been there. He knew the, he knew the times that the, 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 the ability of the craftsman didn't meet the craft that was required. And for that, God said, I have a solution. In Exodus chapter 30, he gave Moses the instruction not just to create that ointment, but he said, thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith and the ark of the testimony and the table and all of his vessels and the candlestick and all of his vessels and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering and all his vessels and the labor and his foot. And, and he gave instruction. He said, I want you to go through from the beginning all the way to the end. And I want you to anoint every article of furniture. I want you to anoint every article that's in the tabernacle. And, and he said, sanctify them that they may be most holy. Whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. The place was to be anointed, but that wasn't enough. The furniture was to be anointed, but that wasn't enough. It was that it was anointing that, that rested on that environment, but the environment wasn't sufficient. He knew that men with imperfect hearts was going to step through the, the threshold of that tabernacle. And God said, I need you to no, not just anoint the furniture and not just to anoint the tabernacle, but I want you to take the men that are going to be operating in the tabernacle and you need to anoint them. Thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them. Why? That they may minister unto me in the priest's office and thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel saying, this shall be a holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. You see, for all the imperfections, God had a plan. For all the, the, the abilities that they had when they fell short, God said, I, I've got a solution. When, when you can't quite get there on your own, there is an anointing that comes on your life. We're resting in it tonight. I want to tell you right now that none of us no one that came through these doors that had any active role of service in this service tonight thought to themselves, well, I'm just the one that's going to make this all work. Nobody thought that they had the, the grand gift that was going to turn the service around or create the opportunity for God to move because we all know that we don't have what it takes, but we know the God that God that's God, what it takes. The only thing that we can rely on is we can say, God, I'm here. I'm a vessel, and I'm willing, and I'm able. But God, I'm asking that you would cover me with that anointing oil. God, if you could do it in the tabernacle, and God, if you could do it in Aaron's life, then would you do it in my life tonight? I don't know about you, but I need that anointing. I need that season of sanctification. I, I need that time when God says, you didn't make the grade, but let's just kind of move in for a moment and let my anointing cover you and let my anointing touch you. And, and when I reach down into your life, there's something that's going to happen. Hmm. It happened through scripture. I feel his anointing even right now. I, I'm not surprised that, that the service has flowed the way that it has. I, I believe that God had a special purpose and a special plan attached to tonight's service. I, I'm not taking anything away from this morning. Pastor Mike preached a phenomenal message. If you didn't hear it, you need to listen. God's got a word for CCC and beyond tonight. If there was ever a time when a world needed a church with anointing is today. The anointing will, will do some things in your life. I, I, I would just want to give us clear understanding 
The anointing isn't just to make us feel good like Watkins ointment. It isn't just so that we wake up in the morning, everything's all better. The anointing that God brings into our lives changes some things. The anointing that God brings into a church transforms some things. The anointing is going to separate you. You won't just be a part of the crowd. But there's something that when God places it in his anointing on your life, you're going to stand apart. You know, it came to pass that when Samuel came to Jesse's sons, he, he looked at seven of them and he said, you know, surely out of this grand group of guys, there, there's one that God is going to anoint. And the seven came before him. He looked at Eliab. He said, wow, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But God said to Samuel, look not on his countenance on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth God. Man looks on the outward appearance, but, but God is looking at the heart. God, God even had to uh, commend Samuel, the, the aged prophet, with the ability to speak, and his word would never touch the ground. It would always be fulfilled. God had to remind Samuel, I, I'm lo looking on the appearance. I, I'm looking deeper than that, Samuel. There's, there's a man you haven't even seen yet. He, he doesn't even look like a man to most. Most would overlook him. His dad forgot about him for this convocation, for this moment, for this anointing. His dad even forgot about him. Man's looking on the outward, but God is looking on the heart. I... I just want to remind somebody that maybe part of your prayer at some point today was, God, I don't feel sufficient, but you know my heart. God, you know the desire that I have. Somebody woke up today and you weren't wondering about what all was going to happen by your calendar. You were asking God, God, I just need you to move in my life today. God, I just need you to move in my family today. I need you today. Jesse called all his sons before before Samuel and Samuel, he, he looked at those seven boys and, and he said to Jesse, he said, God's not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, are, are these all your children? Are they all here? And he said, well, there, there's, there's one that remains. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and fetch for him. For we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and he brought him in. And he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance, goodly to look at. He's a good, good, just a good looking boy. But he didn't look like a king. He was separate already from his brethren. He wasn't part of the crowd or the crew. But God saw a king in David. And God said to Samuel, he said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren and the spirit of the Lord came upon David, listen, from that day forward. From that day forward, God separated David. He may have felt insignificant next to his brethren, but from that day forward, there was something that happened in David's life. When that anointing oil rushed over his head, the Spirit of God came upon him. That physical symbol was accompanied by a spiritual power. The anointing will separate you. It won't allow you to be a part of the crowd, part of the crew. The anointing is going to call you. It's going to summon you. It's going to take you back to the pasture. It's going to put you in a place of loneliness. It's going to take some time in your life to create what God is trying to do. A man after God's own heart doesn't happen 
in the crowd. A man after God's own heart happens in a place of insignificance and God will grow that man in that place of insignificance and anoint him and empower him and place his spirit upon him. Ladies, I'm not leaving you out. I'm, I'm just using vernacular. But God wants to anoint us tonight. God needs a church anointed in this day and in this age. I, we're we're kind of just in danger of sliding past what God is wanting to do. But, but hear, hear me tonight. God is, is, there's an anointing resting in this room tonight. God has come to destroy yokes of bondage. God has come to destroy uh, whatever the enemy has brought in our lives. God, God's saying, I, I, I'm creating a distance. I'm creating an environment for victory. I, I'm creating an opportunity for overcomers. I, I'm creating that in this room tonight. And, and I just feel like somebody, you came in one way, but God's going to let you leave another. You're, you're not going to leave the same way that you came. Like David, before Samuel, you're going to feel the anointing that comes from the top of your head, and it's going to flow down to the sole of your feet and you're not going to walk the same way out that you walked on the way in because God's anointing is in this room tonight. God's anointing is going to separate you too. God's anointing will protect you. I, I watched mesmerize. I, I pulled it up on YouTube. Like pastor said, you can't find everything you, you'd like to find in, in, in the big media circles. And I began to pull up some of the, the local video on YouTube of what was happening in Israel this, the last couple days. And, and I was watching as that Iron Dome was taking out the artillery that was coming into the nation. And as those rockets were fired, the Iron Dome would, would uh, kind of just counteract that activity. And, and in the sky, it was all, you know, if you didn't know what was happening, if you, if you didn't realize it was bombs meant to kill, it would look like beautiful fireworks. But that Iron Dome, and, and what they said was that uh, Hamas was trying to, to overwhelm the Iron Dome. They were trying to calculate the saturation point. At what point does the, does the, the artillery response not able to, to, to respond to all the artillery that's coming in? And they still didn't know. They, didn't, they hadn't reached that point as of yet. They're just keep firing bombs and firing bombs. Well, I, I, I just want to remind us also, I'm grateful. And I said, that's, that's incredible. And it's technology. And, and nobody knows the saturation limit. I think that maybe God's hand is just, just kind of helping all of that happen right now. Yeah, that's all right to say in Jesus' name here, Pastor. In Jesus' name, I, 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 just, I just say because, because the anointing brings some protection, and, and that's an anointed nation. Psalm 105, it says that when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people. He suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. The anointing will bring protection in your life. Here, here's why we need anointing in 2021. What year are we in again? We need anointing because the enemy is at all out war. What we see in the natural is a small mirror of what's happening in the supernatural. And we can't afford to walk unprotected. We can't afford to walk without anointing in our lives. Because if we'll walk with anointing, then God's blessing is going to rest on us. And God's power is going to rest on us. And God's going to put a fence about it. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup's going to run over. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I, I'm talking about what happens when God's anointing rests on the people of God. It doesn't matter where the enemy is, who the enemy 
up a table. It says that God prepares a table in the presence of mine enemies. You can have the enemy in all that war. God says, I think we, I, I think maybe right now is a good time to have a little lunch. Someone bring the Coleman stove. And somebody passed me my thermos. It's got some hot coffee and I, we're going to have a little. The enemy's kind of. God says, woo. He says, talk about a. Talk about a defense. That's the God that we're serving. The anointing will protect you. Three, the anointing will bless you. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded blessing. The anointing brings blessing. Someone just lift your hands and thank God for blessing in your life. Let me tell you what's happening in the supernatural realm. You know that how, how we just kind of flow together in a service like this. It's, it's not out of order. We mentioned that already. You know, pastor's, pastor's the head. Okay, let's just put it in the vernacular. He's the head. But it says that the anointing runs down. The precious ointment upon the head. So when pastor comes up and we plan on, we got our, our little, we got our slides for our weekly events and we've got what we're going to talk about. And, but all of a sudden the Holy Ghost begins to move. And the anointing rests. So what happens if we say, well, man, come on, pastor. I want to, I got this message I want to preach. I want to be done at seven o'clock. We don't have time. Okay, that's good. We don't have time for that. <sighs> Rockets. No. What happens? What happens when... When we begin to sense that anointing begin to roll, rush in the room and it starts at the head and it begins to flow down. Let me tell you, I, where, wherever I am in that, the part of the body, if it's the beard, I want to be engaged in what God is doing. I want to be in order of where God is flowing. I, I want to get under the umbrella of authority. I want to get submitted to the spiritual leadership in my life. I don't know if you're reading between the lines or not, but, but I want to be a part of where the flow has begun because I can't expect to step out from under the umbrella of authority and have God God's anointing rest in my life. Not at all, but let me tell you what happens when we get under the spout where the glory's coming out, that the anointing, as it begins to flow, it flows down through the body. And if we get in order, what happens in this sermon is what began in the announcements and in the prayer that we were praying in. And all of a sudden, it begins to flow out into the body. And God's anointing begins to touch. And his power begins to move. And his ministry begins to heal and to help and to deliver liver and the church is impacted and our world has changed and people are transformed why because of the anointing i need the anointing i need the anointing and here's 
Here's the deal. Sometimes I'll, I've said it before, but let me remind us that, that sometimes we think, well, you know, if we, by the time it gets down to the skirt of, of Aaron's garments, that it's, there's going to be nothing left. That's not the way it says. It says that it's like the dew of Hermon. You see what began on the top of Mount Hermon as dew, as, as the, 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 the ice and the snow would begin to melt and the dew would gather together. It would begin to flow down the side of the mountain, but it didn't flow alone. As, as it got in order, as it got in spiritual order, as it came together, as unity occurred, as people began working one with another. What happened? As the flows begin, as all the tributaries begin to collect, all those little tributaries become the river, and the Jordan River is the end result of what begins as the dew at the top of Mount Hermon, and the Jordan River is the water supply for the entire nation of Israel. The fields are watered. The people are sustained. The cities are filled with, with all that, that water that comes. Why? Because it starts with just a single drop, but a drop connects with another drop, and as that unity occurs, Power happens. And it doesn't diminish the lower it goes. It becomes more powerful. And so I'm just a little part of what God is doing somewhere up in this service. But as it flows down through you and as it flows down through your family, it's not less than. It grows into something mighty so that by the time we leave this room, God's authority is resting on you. God's anointing is resting on you. God's commission is resting on you. This world needs what you've got. It's in order. It's how God ordained it to happen. The power to perform the service of God comes from the Spirit of God that began to move in this place tonight. The anointing will bless you. Number four, the anointing will cost you. Said that it was precious ointment. Precious ointment. It was very costly. The anointing costs something. It always has. And it always will. The anointing will cost you. Think Mary's alabaster box. When the disciples were frustrated because they could have used the money for the poor or bolstered the account. And they could have purchased something for themselves. He said, no, she's anointed me for my burial. The precious ointment had a purpose of anointing. It cost something. Coming back to the music tonight. The enemy will always have a cheap imitation of the anointing. It's called inspiration. There's nothing wrong with inspiration until we try and allow it to be the substitute for anointing. You see where the spirit flows in the realm of anointing, emotion flows in the realm of inspiring. The enemy will always invite you to an easier way, but the anointing will cost you something. The enemy says, well, inspiration, there's no need for separation. There's no need for sanctification. No sacrifice required. Get all your friends together and you can be inspired. That's inspiration. But inspiration is just a cheap imitation of anointing. I appreciate inspiration. I, I appreciate those moments when I'm out in la-la land. And something gets my attention. Some of you know where that la-la land is. You just were there a minute ago. 
The challenge is, is emotion can be, it's a part of who we are naturally. Emotion is, you know, that moment when you get your Mother's Day card last week and your son or your daughter, you know, maybe in those teen years, you didn't think they had a, a clue about what you've done for them. And in that moment, they say, thank you for all that you've done for me. You're like, there's hope, Jesus. There's hope. And you have that emotional rush. God made us to be emotional beings. That's where it can be dangerous because we live in an inspiration-saturated society. Entertainment is a substitute. The energy behind entertainment is the ability to move you emotionally. Hollywood knows that it's a surefire way to make money if you can just move someone's emotions. So they will pump millions of dollars into a motion picture just so they can hold your attention long enough to move you emotionally. Because if they can move you emotionally, they know that they've connected to you spiritually. The energy behind entertainment is is to push the boundaries in every area of the emotional. They'll pull you to the limits of fear with horror films. They'll push you to the limits of anger with trauma. and They'll attempt to bring happiness into your life with comedies. And let's just get them laughing. Let's just get them angry. Let's get them fear-filled. And, and they, they just keep pushing the envelope further and further and further because they know uh, we'll just invest in this because if we can touch them emotionally, the money's going to come back in the box office. The money's going to come back. We've just got to make this investment and move them with emotion. And the problem is, is that it it becomes a substitute for what God intended in the supernatural. And humanity has this little tingle and they think, oh, you know, they they watch the the film and and it moves them emotionally. and And that becomes a substitute for God's people gathering together in God's spirit, touching them internally. I was... uh doing a little research online, Jack Lehman kind of research. I was thinking about this big screen that we had out there. and I was like, my word, what am I going to put on? I can barely think of what to put on this one. What am I going to do when I'm engulfed? I was watching a, a couple of different churches and some mega churches with some mega screens and some ideas. And it really, it's, it's just, it's, it's neat. Can, can I just let you know that no one here thinks that that's a substitute for what we just experienced a few moments ago? I'll, I'll just remind everybody. I got four hand claps. We better back up and hit that one one more time. None of that is a substitute for what we just felt in the Holy Ghost a few minutes ago. If it's something that we can use to attract somebody's attention long enough so they can experience what we just experienced, that is what that's all about. So I was 
You know, I'm not being critical. I would never name the church, but I was like, what is, what's that, you know, listen through their worship set. This isn't anybody within 500 miles of us, just so you know. Not, I don't have a, I'm not leveling the boom. I was like, that song sounds familiar. I did a little Google search. It's like, Lady Gaga? First, who's Lady Gaga? Two, why are they singing Lady Gaga in church? (laughs) My point exactly. They knew, they knew that it was a song that, that could tug on the emotions of people. But I don't think it, uh, here's where I, I have a little problem with it, all right? I don't think that that can be a substitute for the supernatural anointing that God wants to bring into a service. I, I don't think that we should just direct our attention at people's emotions. I think that we should direct people's attention to a God that wants to heal and a God that wants to help and a God that wants to saturate their lives with anointing. That's what we need. We need the anointing of God. I've got all the inspiration I need out there. I'll tell you what we need in here. We need an apostolic anointing. We need anointing that rests on every song. We need anointing that rests in the preaching of the word. We need anointing that goes a little further than that as it flows down through the garment into the body. We need the anointing to rest in this room. We need it to rest in overflow. We need it to rest in the balcony. We have to be careful because there's a real portal into a person's soul that swings on that hinge of emotion. As for Pentecostal, we have to be careful because we've been doing church for over 100 years. And we know that we can move masses with inspiration. Songs saturated with sentiment. I, I can remember every camp meeting somebody would sing. Pause just for a sec. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. And I promise if I sing that about ten more times, then I get Kathy going just a little faster, Caleb, and, and we get the and then I get the foot stomp going. And get a little twirl and a hoot in there. Woo! What a mighty God! Taking up a key! Well, what a mighty God! And if we're not careful, sometimes our history stirs sentiment and we can move in the realm of inspiration. And God's over here saying, wait a minute. I'm waiting to move with my anointing. And you're operating outside of my plan and my purpose. You're operating by history. You're operating by what sentiment, by what makes you feel good. But this world today needs a church with anointing. That's what we need.
I can produce a picture of the Canadian flag flowing in the breeze. I can begin the anthem and stir patriotic pride in people. We can even include enough God in the anthem so we all feel good and hold our heart and stand at attention. God, keep our land. And patriotic pride feeling inspiration and emotion. Come on, we, we know how to do this. Inspiration moves our soul. It's the power of the song, but we have to be careful in the church that we don't lean on the element of the emotional because we need apostolic anointing. When we do services as often as we do, we can, we, we, if we don't, but we could fabricate a service that would have people <laughs> doing that stomp. We could fabric, we could, that, that sounds arrogant. God, forgive me. Because that's not what it's about. But as we are at prayer meeting on Friday night or as we gather together in staff meeting, I, I promise we're not trying to create services to inspire and create emotion. We're, 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 we're seeking God's hand and we're seeking God's will and, and we're diving into God's word and we're praying, God, would you lead us and would you ordain us and order our steps? And, and that's the kind of prayers that we're praying because we know we can't do. We're flawed people. We need the anointing to cover us from the top of our head to the sole of our feet. We need God's anointing to flow into this room like it did a few moments ago because that's the only solution that's going to bring a resolution to the world that we live in today. I'll remind you, Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven and he didn't lose his ability. And we have to be careful because we can allow inspiration without the spirit to move the masses without the power of God at work in our midst. It was Baal worshipers at the Mount Carmel. They cranked up the music until there was absolute mayhem. The Bible says they started in the morning crying out. It says that about noon they literally started jumping on the altar and at the evening, they moved into the prophetic realm and began to prophesy, but the fire never fell until a humble prophet rebuilt the altar and prayed a 26-word prayer, and the fire of God fell. You can't base success on the number of people involved, jumping, shouting, or celebrating. Success is when the anointing moves in a service like it did tonight and touches. God, rescue us from inspiration without anointing. I'm getting ready to close, and I believe that God's going to turn this. We're praying that that anointing would rest in this room tonight. We've probably already lost people on the YouTube stream because, well, they checked in because they weren't all choked up and they weren't moved emotionally. I'm grateful for our music team. I'm grateful for musicians that have separated lives 
I'm grateful for singers that pray and touch God and ask for anointing. I'm thankful for that. We can't ever change that. Team, wherever you are, we can't change that. First Chronicles 25, it says that the instrumentalists that they prophesied with their instruments, the harp and the horn were literally used to prophesy. That, that's what the scripture says. I think part of what we have sensed in the room tonight is because God's anointing has rested, has rested on this service. Isaiah 10, 27, it shall come to pass in that day, someone say this day, that his burden shall be taken from off of thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And here's the promise, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke shall be, someone say it, destroyed. Destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. If you came in the room bound, you're leaving with a destroyed yoke tonight. Don't let the enemy lie to you. The yoke's been destroyed. I took some time this afternoon. And I began to pray in my office. I came down and I went to the doorways I anointed them with oil. I stopped in overflow and I touched every chair. Now it's not enough oil that you're going to have to get the cleaner out. But it's enough oil that if you ever did a microscopic search, there'd be anointing there. Touched every chair in overflow. Came in here, I touched the cameras. I actually went in the sanctuary, the new platform. Left some oil on that. Put some oil on the floor. Like God, just let this be a symbol. There's not power in this oil. It's been in our office for a while now. The mantle hasn't moved on its own. The pictures haven't fallen down. It's just oil. It's just a symbol. But it's a symbol of what we desire to see happen. We need the Spirit of the Lord to rest on us. I, I, came, I came in this chapel and I, I started at the back and I worked my way from my left to your right. And I went over every chair. I prayed over every chair. I anointed every chair. I came on this platform. Caleb, I anointed those drums. I anointed that guitar. I anointed this instrument, that instrument. I anointed this pulpit. Not because I'm anybody, but it was just a symbol. I was like, God, we need your anointing. We need your anointing in this service tonight. We need your anointing to rest on every heart, every life, every person. And as God's power began to move, I was like, there it is. You know, part of me was like, oh, just, I told pastor, just keep it going. I don't need to preach. I don't need to, I don't need to get up there. Just let it flow. He said, no. So there I am under them, brother. But I feel that anointing moving right now. I feel that anointing destroying yokes of bondage. And it isn't just about what you receive. It's about what you set apart. 
I'm wondering if somebody tonight would stand together with me and say, you know what, Pastor Jack, Pastor Woodward, I'm going to set some things apart in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to separate myself because the anointing separates me. The anointing, it, it calls me to a place of sanctification. It, it calls me to a place where I'm going to lay some things down because I can't afford to walk anointed with that in my life. I need anointing. I need God's anointing to rest in my life. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing. Come on. Some of you are waiting for, you know, that, that's a danger. Some of you are waiting for that inspiration to move you. It's not, not going to happen. While, while you're waiting for inspiration, God's saying, you've already got anointing. You've already been anointed. While you're waiting for something to stir you emotionally, God's saying, you already got what it takes. You, you've already been anointed. You've already been appointed. Now you just need to walk in it. You need to live in it. Come on, church. Somebody tonight say, I'm anointed. You need to declare war on the devil. It's the Iron Dome at work in your life. It's brought protection, God's letting somebody know you're anointed tonight. My power's at work. My anointing's resting on you. My anointing is here to destroy. Destroy the yoke of bondage. Come on, anointed people of God. You gotta pick anointed or just inspired inspiration it'll last for a few minutes it'll last for a few moments it's good for a conversation around the water cooler but if you're anointed the world's gonna see a difference if you're anointed you're gonna transform your community if you're anointed you're gonna transform your work if you're anointed your family's gonna feel the difference i need his anointing in my life i need the anointing i need it i wonder if every hand could go in the air i'm finished I've got more scripture, but God's spirit is here to minister. I wonder if you have a chair in front of you. Would you, would you just grab that chair for a moment? That's the only element I had in the room to anoint, but, but I'm praying that that anointing would be transferred into hearts and in lives. Come on, there's power right there. That's anointing right there. Someone get a hold of it for a minute. Someone get a hold of it for a minute. It's more than just inspiration. There, there's anointing at work in the room. Maybe you don't have, maybe you don't have a chair in front of you. I got enough, got enough room here at the front for folks. If you don't have a chair in front of you, just come on up and put your hand on the altar for a moment. We're praying for anointing in our lives. We're praying for anointing in our church. We only got a few more. We're praying for anointing in this room to rest. Come on, balcony overflow. We need anointing to work. Come on. Let's let God touch tonight. Jesus. Come on, just pray. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's anointed you. 
He's anointed you for purpose. He's anointed you. He's anointed you for his plan. He's anointed you for his kingdom. He's anointed you to preach. He's anointed you to bind up. He's anointed you to proclaim. He's anointed you to open the prison to them that are bound. He's anointed you to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. He's anointed you to proclaim the vengeance of our God. He's anointed you tonight. He's anointed you to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on, he's anointed you tonight. You're anointing God. Sweet, sweet.